This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha, and this is Serialholic Sisters. True crime shit. What up, what up? What up? So I'll tell you about my day. Oh, okay. So I bought some sandal because it's starting to get warmer outside and my kids just grow out of everything so quick, you know? Yes. I bought some sandals for Harlow because she was complaining about her Crocs and she's like, these are stupid because she's a little girl, you know? Right. Yes. And she's like, these are stupid. I mean, I agree with her. They're stupid. No, (laughs) but honestly, they're the most comfortable shoe that she's ever worn because Harlow is a lot like Dallas. They're flat-footed and they've got wide feet. Right. Tyler's the same way and he loves wearing his Crocs like he wears them all the time. Right. Shoes are very, they're made very narrow. Mm -hmm. Um, And even, even when you buy wide shoes, some wide shoes just aren't wide enough. And um, she also hates like She's got sensory issues with shoes, just like I do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how I am with socks and shoes. We have major sensory issues with that. Right. Like socks have to fit a certain way for me and shoes have to fit a certain way or I won't wear them. And Harlow is the same way. Um, but the thing is, Harlow is obsessed with her boots and it is time to get out of boot season. Right. It's getting warmer. And so I'm, I'm like, okay. I bought her some sandals and they were a size too big because she wasn't with me. So I had to return them. And I walked into the shoe department today to return those shoes to get her a size smaller and walked out with two new pairs for myself and nothing for her. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Was she pissed when you got home? So I, they didn't have any in her size. That's why I walked out with her. Well, I did have to go to Walmart and she's five. So right. Walmart I, did sandals are to, fine. I did find a pair there and, and just got her a pair, but yeah, I got there. They had a really good deal on some vans <laughs> and some converse. So <laughs> I walked out and I saved $15 and 25 cents. That's a steal. Like you couldn't, it would be a crime to not buy those shoes. My husband doesn't know. Oh, so I'm just going to casually like be wearing new shoes and he's just not going to know. He won't know. He doesn't pay that much attention to shoes. I think he'll notice the vans for sure though, because uh, these were pretty, I'm going to have to show you these vans. In fact, we might even share them with the. Oh gosh. What kind of vans did you get? We'll put them on Instagram. Um, They're black, but the sides are like rainbow tie dye. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I want some now. (laughs) I, I know I'll have to show you. Anyways, that was my day. That was your day. You just <laughs> I dropped bought yourself in. shoes. I know. I, I never do that, but I did. <laughs> that doesn't sound like any, anything like any of the days that I have. So let me tell you about one of my recent experiences with my day-to-day thing. So, you know, I work at a pedi- pediatrician's office and part of my job every day is to answer phone calls from parents when they're calling the office 
because their kid's sick, but they're not sure if they should bring them in. So they just right. kind of want to talk it through and because get advice and all that. The, Cause it, they know if they call the ER or anything, the ER is just going to tell them, you know, well, we, we can't tell you anything over the phone. You have to come here. Kind of like a doctor's office too, but at least the doctor's office will be like, oh, you should probably bring them in. Right. So my goal not that I don't want to see your lovely faces is to not bring everybody in because all those people that, that come in, I also have to triage and like get them ready for my doctor to see. So if I can give you advice and talk you through not coming in great and wonderful. So I'm doing that. I'm answering phone calls. I called this mom back the other day and she's like, I could really use some advice. I don't really know how to deal with this. So she's got this two-year-old and he's suddenly started having like sleep issues where he's not sleeping through the night when he like he was doing that before right but she's like it's kind of different I guess I don't know a lot of parents might experience this but I'm not sure so he doesn't wake up and like freak out or wake up and like come in my room and try to get me or wait no so he wakes up and doesn't wake us at all he just climbs out of his crib and then gets into this rocking chair that's in his room and he just sits in it and rocks in silence and he'll just like keep doing that sporadically throughout the night and she'll see him on the little monitor and like go and put him back in his bed or whatever. And he just keeps doing it. She's like, honestly, I'm a little creeped out. Like it's, it's a little <laughs> fucking creepy. <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> yeah. But he could be a self-soother. That's what I told her. I was like, yeah, he could totally be self-soothing. Like he's not in distress or anything. Is this her first? Yes, that is creepy. No, it's like her third kid. <laughs> that would be worse if it was your first kid <laughs> right she was like no my other kids did not do this at all like <laughs> oh man that that is creepy but he could just be a very independent self-soother I literally told her yeah that could be self-soothing but also yes that is creepy like I don't want you I would love to call your doctor's office just to know how you talk to some of these people <laughs> oh geez <laughs> so funny so yeah Sorry for our, you know, nonstop storytelling, but let's get into the, the reason for the podcast. I guess, I guess we should probably do that. People might want let's, that. Let's talk about Moida. Not Moida, but first, why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> why? In case they get a hole in one. Oh my God. Okay. All right. So let's talk about Moida. Let's talk about Moida. So I am going to be covering a case. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. So <laughs> I'm going to talk about the murder of Annie Lay. And I'm going to- Annie who? Lay. Lay? So it's spelled L-E. Oh, okay. The, the entire time I was doing research, in my head, I was reading Annie Lee. Like there was a second E on like there. A, oh, okay. But then I listened to a video- about it on YouTube and they kept saying lay and I was like well that makes more sense because there's only one e so I don't think about... I know this one well let's get into it I, and who knows I might but I maybe I just didn't know the name who knows That's true you might on the morning of September 8th 2009 24 year old Annie Lay left her apartment and took Yale Transit to the Sterling Hall of Medicine at Yale University in New Haven Connecticut okay she was a doctoral student at the Yale School of Medicine's Department of Pharmacology. So super smart. At around 10 a.m., she walked from the Sterling Hall to another building on campus that was located at 10 Amistad Street. This building was where the research laboratory was located. Like they had a bunch of research labs in that building. Nice. So 
security cameras captured her entering the building that morning, but they never captured her leaving. When she hadn't returned home by 9 p.m., one of her housemates called police to report her missing. So it was super unlike her to be out that late. If they watched her walk in, but nobody watched her walk out, did they not just go check the research lab? We'll get, we'll get there. So (laughs) I'm like, before you call, right, just report somebody missing. Everybody calm down. (laughs) Just, just asking for a friend. (laughs) So no, they were like, this is not like her. She, she was always very involved in her studies and she would pretty much just like go to classes and then come home to study. Like go to classes, go to the research lab, come home. That was it. So let's talk a little bit about who Annie Lay was. She was born July 3rd, 1985 in San Jose, California. She grew up in a large, tight-knit Vietnamese American family. And growing up, everyone agreed that Annie was exceptional. Like she was super smart. She was well-liked. Everyone that knew her said that she had a smile that would light up a room, like one of those types. Um, She was an animal lover which who doesn't love animals and she once rescued a group of abandoned kittens and like took them all home with her by train like she had to ride the train home with all these kittens that she rescued I saw that and I was like oh (laughs) (laughs) she was valedictorian of her high school class and was voted most likely to be the next Einstein by her classmates oh yeah and she ended up getting a hundred and sixty thousand dollars in scholarships whoa (laughs) so she was like yeah and went to Yale so So basically Yale was paid for basically I mean I don't know how much Yale costs but I don't know either I don't know (laughs) really it was paid for (laughs) maybe I don't know I feel like I've been paying on student loans for a long time and I did not go to Yale (laughs) (laughs) same girl (laughs) and I'm going to for the rest of my life (laughs) (laughs) average cost before aid at Yale is yeah like tuition fees and annual costs per year so if you're going to a four-year college the average cost is roughly eighty thousand dollars that's today so it's like seventeen thousand five hundred dollars per year so seventeen thousand plus the fees and everything we're looking at roughly eighty thousand dollars so yeah she had a paid (laughs) but eighty thousand for like four years yeah, that's only four years. So she went for doctoral. So she's going eight years, right? Also, this is back in 2009. So it was cheaper then. Yeah. Yeah. So even 160000 it's still paid for. That's I see. I see you, girl. I see you, Annie. So Annie got her undergraduate degree in cell developmental biology from the University of Rochester in upstate New York. And then she was accepted into the graduate program at Yale. Wow. So that program at Yale would have led her to earning a doctorate in pharmacology. And the research that she was working on was something super fancy using like lab mice to test enzymes that through her like research and testings that could have had implications for treatment of diabetes, muscular dystrophy, and certain forms of cancer. Yeah. So she could have been somebody that like helped solve what could cure it. She, yeah, she could have yeah helped a lot of people. She met Jonathan Wadowski, a graduate student in applied physics and mathematics at Columbia University, so another super smart person, and the two of them quickly fell in love. Huh. So everyone who knew the couple said they were meant to be, they were like the perfect couple. They got engaged and were set to be married on September 13th, 2009. Oh, 
But instead of a day of celebrating love and happiness, this was the day that Annie's body would be found on her, on wedding, her wedding day. On her supposed, oh, like supposed to be her wedding day. First, time out, time out. Okay. She was supposed to get married and she went to the research lab. <laughs> well, she, she was, so when she went to the lab, that was on September 8th. And she was supposed to get married on September 13th. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> that was, she didn't go missing on her wedding day. <laughs> I was like, time out. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. Sad too, but I mean, yeah, it's all sad, but, but I was just like, wait, what? She's <laughs> like really committed to her research. <laughs> like really committed. Like take a girl, uh, take a girl day. Just, you know. Girl, take a you day. You get married. <laughs> <laughs> you get married. Relax. <laughs> pamper yourself let those lab mice rest for a day (laughs) (laughs) so initially police weren't so sure they were dealing with the missing persons case and thought maybe they were dealing with the case of cold feet because it was just a few days before her wedding oh they thought that she ran right five to six days before your wedding it's like five days yeah if she went yeah so it'd be five days yeah right so like oh she's supposed to get married she's got cold feet Cold feet and ran five days before your wedding. Right. That's what they thought. But then they changed their mind because they noticed that like she. spectacular policing. <laughs> they noticed that she had left her purse, her credit cards, all of her cash and her cell phone back at Sterling Hall. So that was the office that she started at. And then she went to the research lab. Okay. So these guys are really jumping the gun. <laughs> First, they're calling in missing persons instead of going into the research lab to check on her. <laughs> second they're just like oh maybe she got cold feet and she just ran away and then they're like oh no what is this what is this that we stumbled upon all of her belongings maybe it's not cold feet like come on right so they were like okay that's weird yeah um (laughs) probably if someone was gonna run off they wouldn't leave literally all of their shit behind including like all of their money yeah (laughs) so they're like okay let's check out the surveillance cameras and see if we can figure out where she went so they see her leaving Sterling Hall and enter the Amistad building just after 10 a.m. And that's the last time she was seen. There was no footage of her leaving the building. Coming out. So police were like, okay, that's pretty fucking weird. So they're like, oh, well, since she went in here, we might as well go check on her. They're like, we should probably look into that. Like, so- you didn't check the campus first? <laughs> I would hate to be taking a nap in the library on accident. Oh my God, right? <laughs> you're just like napping in the library. <laughs> you're just napping in the library and police are like, oh, she's got cold feet. And your friends are like, she's missing. <laughs> Damn. So the building and the area around that building are monitored by about 75 security cameras. So if she left the building, one of those cameras would have seen her. her. Yeah. So they decided they should close down the entire building so they could search it. Um, They were coming up with nothing. So they also extended their search out and started searching the Hartford dump, which is where all of Yale's trash was sent to be like incinerated. So they're like, well, maybe there's some kind of clues here as to something. I don't know. That's another big jump to me. News of Annie's disappearance had spread by this point and everyone was joining the search. So Eventually, they had the New Haven Police Department, the Connecticut State Police, and the FBI. Like, it was a big, it was a big case. (laughs) Come to find out. She was napping in the library. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. No. That's awful. I shouldn't joke about that. I'm definitely not joking about her death. No, not at all. 
I'm more so joking about the fact that it's always <laughs> it's always the way that certain police officers <laughs> are policing and and they're not policing. So police began interviewing friends, family, colleagues, everyone they could find who, who had known Annie. As part of a series of interviews with Annie's co-workers, they came across a man named Raymond Clark III. Raymond was a lab tech and custodian for the lab that housed all the research mice. So he like cleaned up the lab. Okay. And this is where Annie did a lot of her research. In his interview, he told police that he and Annie had known each other for at least four months, but that they had never socialized with each other or saw each other outside of work. During this interview, police noticed Clark had quite a few scratches on his face and his upper left arm. Oh, like defense wounds? Possibly. So they asked him about the scratches and they're like, what, what's up with scratches? Like what happened? And he told them that a cat had scratched him. So there's that. After interviewing several coworkers, police learned that Clark had a reputation of being very controlling over what went on in the mouse room. So he was known to be very hard on students who left the mouse cages dirty because that meant more work for him. Like if they didn't clean up their mess, he'd have to do it. You Fair. applied for that job. <laughs> I know, right? You are the custodian. You don't, you don't, you don't just get it. <laughs> Like, they didn't just say, and you are the mouse cleaner upper. <laughs> like, that's not how it works. The mouse cleaner upper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, that's not what they did. Like, you applied. You straight went, you were like, oh, I'm in college and have some student loans and shit that I got to pay for. Right. And he so didn't even I'm attend. I'm apply for this. He didn't even attend jail at the time. Like That's he was even working worse. there. Yeah, yeah. Like, bitch, you applied for this. <laughs> so yeah, when I first was reading that, I was thinking, oh, okay, he's like a Yale student who's like doing this job for some extra money. No, I saw several sources that said he did not even attend Yale at this time. Like he was just working there. Then don't get mad because you have to clean up after mice. Right. So during their interviews, police learned that Clark had been assigned to take care of the animals in three of the laboratory rooms including G13, which is where Annie was working the day she went missing. Clark told police he saw Annie come into the lab around 10 that morning, which checks out. And then he said that he saw her leave around 1230. So this didn't- saw her leave. Right. This didn't add up since there was like no surveillance footage of her leaving at all. And there's like 75 cameras everywhere. But they're like, being great police people, they're like, okay, maybe that's when he saw her leave the lab and then something happened to her before she left the building why are you drawing for straws <laughs> <laughs> because they don't know what's going on they have no idea there's no trace of this girl anywhere they are confuzzled then on september 10th a pharmacology postdoctoral fellow named rachel roth who had worked with annie approached yale police officer sabrina wood now roth showed wood a box of white ball hygienic wipes that were sitting on a steel push cart in room g13 so that was the room where annie was working mm -hmm. the box of wipes sitting on the cart had what appeared to be blood splatter on it how did they miss that <laughs> so this postdoctoral fellow was like hey mrs police officer look look over there look at that hey i know i'm a yell student and you're not but <laughs> <laughs> so Wood was like, oh shit, like that's something. So she calls the FBI agents to the scene so they can further investigate because she was she was a Yale police officer. She was just like the school police officer. 
So she right. was like, this, like this is security past- Right. So she's like, this is not something I need to be getting into, but somebody needs to look at this. So she's waiting for the FBI to arrive. While they're waiting, Wood noted some odd behavior from Clark. So according to her affidavit, she watched Clark come in and out of G13 several times. At one point, he walked over to the push cart and moved the box of wipes from one side of the cart to the other, turning it so the blood splatter faced away from Wood. So he's like, do, 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 nothing to see here. Like, maybe she didn't see this. I don't know. <laughs> he then leaned on the cart and tried making small talk with Wood, like trying to distract her. That seems super suspicious. Like, she, right? <laughs> she already saw it, bruh. <laughs> right. You're late. <laughs> Later that day, Wood also noted that Clark began scrubbing a drain in the room that didn't appear dirty at all. I would have been like, excuse me, excuse me, sir, you can't come in here and clean a possible crime scene. Also, <laughs> also like, why was he even in there? Why was she allowing him in there? She's still a security guard. Right. And they're supposed to, I wondered this because they're supposed to have it, the building locked down to search it. Well, I understand that. But if he's coming in to clean cages, or animals or something. I'm sure they they were like, oh, well, he doesn't go here. We'll let him come in and do that. Right. But, maybe, they're just, maybe they're like, the animals still need to be upkept. Like, they still need to be fed. And Right. But at the same time, if she already saw that, she should have taped it off. She's a security guard regardless. Nobody enters that room until FBI is there. Right. Yeah. No, she so, absolutely should have been like, hey, this room's like completely closed for the time being. Um, we'll let you know when you can come back in. That just frustrates me so much because yeah. I'm like, I'm over here. He's moving this stuff. He's over here scrubbing this stuff. He shouldn't be in there at all now. He's scrubbing a drain. And the animals could definitely wait for until FBI came in to investigate and get any, collect any other evidence. Yeah. Like, like they were on the way. Uh-uh. On the way. Yeah. I would have tased his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that stop right there. Stop cleaning that. <laughs> that escalated quickly. And that's why you're not a security guard. <laughs> you just be chasing people. Uh, sketchy. It's cool. They were sketchy. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know. Pepper spray is probably worse. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I've had pepper spray in my eyeballs and it is not fun. <laughs> I've been tased in the leg by my husband before and that was not fun. He didn't, to be fair, he didn't do it on purpose. He didn't think it was a real taser. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That shit hurt, but I have not been pepper sprayed, so I can't compare them. (laughs) I guess we're just going to have to switch. (laughs) I'm good. I'm fine not knowing which one hurts more. Yeah. Pepper spray doesn't feel good. Pepper spray was on accident too, though. It was was pointed my direction when it was supposed to be pointed that way. that's awful on september 12th police were searching g13 and they came across their first clue as to kind of what happened to annie so above a ceiling tile they recovered a rubber glove a white sock a pair of vikings brand work boots with the label ray c on the back Isn't that his and name? <laughs> his name is um raymond clark yeah yeah and a blue short sleeve scrub top. Why was it in the ceiling? Well, why were all of these items covered in blood? Because they were. Oh. Yeah. So this prompted them to do luminol testing in G13. And sure enough, 
lighting up everywhere. There was blood splatter all over the walls that someone had clearly tried to clean away. They also did testing in some of the other labs in the building and they found blood stains and spatter on the walls in G22. So now, unfortunately, they're thinking the worst has happened to Annie. The next day is September 13th, which was supposed to be her wedding day. And officers started to notice a very distinct smell. Oh my God, he didn't even get rid of the body. So they described the smell as being similar to that of a decomposing body. Yep. And decided they should bring in cadaver dogs and have them search. And immediately the dogs detected something. Where's Raymond now? Well, <laughs> shortly after 5 p.m., when Annie should have been walking down the aisle at her wedding, officers found her body concealed in a wall behind a toilet. She was upside down with her shirt and bra pushed up and her panties were down around her ankles. Oh, no. Yeah. So we um, know what he did. Semen was found on her panty liner and other areas of her body. She had been strangled and suffered from a broken jaw and a broken collarbone. And medical examiners later determined that she had suffered those injuries while she was still alive. She was wearing surgical gloves with her left thumb exposed. And several items were found in the wall with her body, including a bloody green ink pen, a stained lab coat, and a white sock that matched the other sock that had been found the day before in the ceiling. Now, due to the high security measures in the building, officers realized it would be extremely difficult for someone without a Yale identification card to enter the basement lab where Annie's body was found. Well, the RC on the boots gives it away anyway. Right. <laughs> it's literally spelled out for you. The entrance to the building and all of the rooms in the building required a Yale ID card to get in. So not just anybody could walk in and go into the labs. So investigators obviously had begun focusing on Yale employees and students. And what better place to start than that weird-ass Clark guy whose name was literally on the boots? <laughs> so they conducted a detailed examination of when and where Clark's security key card was used in the building before yeah. and on September 8th. So the 8th was the day she went missing. In the 12 days between August 27th and September 8th, Clark had used his key card to access, to access G22 three times and G13 only once. Okay. Those were the two rooms where the blood was found. Right. But on September 8th, the day that she went missing, he used his key card to access G22 11 times and G13 five times. And Clark had apparently moved between rooms in that building a total of 55 times between 1040 and 345 that day. Investigators also found that Clark's key card was the only one used to access G22 after Annie had swiped in that morning. So he's the only one that went in that room. Officers were like, Huh. So they obtained a search and seizure warrant to collect mouth swabs, body hair, fingerprints, and fingernail clippings from Clark. So they get all this DNA from him. They've got people like tailing him at this point from now on. Like, right. He's out there in the world doing his thing and they're just following him because they're like, he's super suspicious. Shit was bloody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I so, feel like that's enough evidence, but okay. Like, it's <laughs> literally your bloody boots shoved in a ceiling. But they wanted to make sure they had, like, a foolproof case. Like, they didn't want right. any I mean, doubt. Not, I get it, but yeah. still. Right. So DNA tests showed that the stains on the sock had a mixture of Annie's and Clark's DNA. The green pen that was found with her body had her blood on it. And Clark's DNA was found in the pen cap and on the barrel of the gun, of the, not gun, barrel of the pen. <laughs> 
there was no gun involved. (laughs) (laughs) It was later found that that pen was the one that Clark had used on his time card that day. Like when he got in, he used that pen to write on his time card. They also realized the bloody blue scrub top that had been found in the ceiling looked suspiciously like the one Clark was seen wearing on September 8th in surveillance footage that day. So over the next few days, more hair fibers and blood stains turned up in various lab rooms. And the semen that had been found on Annie's body came back as a match to Clark's DNA. So they're like, okay, we've got all this evidence against him. We've been tailing him. Like, let's just bring him in before he tries to run off. Right. The officers that were tailing him described him as being like super chill and nonchalant, like the entire time they were watching him. Like at one point he wouldn't play at a softball game with his softball team. He didn't seem like on edge about anything. He was just acting normal. Officers sat in the stands of that game and like watched him play shortstop. (laughs) Yeah. Well, might as well watch the game. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And one officer said he was actually pretty good at shortstop. Oh my God. Take with that what you will, right? Stop trying. Don't enjoy yourself right now, sir. Um, (laughs) After the game, he went and spent some time with some relatives. Just hung out with some fam. And then he headed to a county fair. So that's like, it's just so creepy to me that you have no idea what people have been up to. And they're just like, oh, I know. Roll it around. There's so many, and so many serial killers have done that stuff. Like they just, they just kill. Right. It doesn't bother them. And then they go about their life. Like BTK, as much as I hate him. Oh my God. I hate him so much. He killed and then went home to his family. Right. Like this dude. Played a softball game, went to the fair. He had just murdered a woman and shoved her in a wall. Like, what the hell? So that would be the last day of freedom that he would experience. <laughs> that was it. Hope you <laughs> so enjoyed I hope, it. He, hope he enjoyed himself. He was arrested early on the morning of September 17th, nine days after Annie went missing. He initially pled not guilty in January of 2010, but they were like, dude, we got all this all of your evidence, all of your DNA, all of your <laughs> shit covered in blood. Like we got it. And so he um, eventually like changed his plea in exchange for a shorter prison term. So he's like, okay, cut me a deal and I'll admit to it. So in March, 2011, Clark pled guilty to Annie Lay's murder. He was also found guilty of attempted sexual assault. Now for the sexual assault charge, Clark entered an Alfred plea, which we all remember from like the West Memphis three case. Right. If you need a refresher, Alfred plea basically means that you don't admit guilt for the charge, but you accept that there's enough evidence to like find you guilty if you went to court. Correct. So he admitted that he murdered her, but he didn't admit to doing like to sexually assaulting her, even though his semen was found on her. And he admits to the jury that if I went to trial, I'd probably be found guilty for that. Cool, cool, cool. Right. So Raymond Clark was sentenced to 44 years for the murder of Annie Lay. And an additional 20 years for the sexual assault charge. These sentences were to be run concurrently, and he would not be eligible for parole. Annie's mother, Vivian, spoke at the sentencing. And this is really sad. She said, quote, I will never hug Annie again. The world will never know what she had to offer. I will never see her walking down the aisle. I will never hold my grandchildren. Her life is gone. Society lost a great woman, and my family lost a beautiful soul. So let's just like rip my fucking heart out. So sad. So Clark spoke publicly for the first time at the sentencing, and he apologized to her family, saying, "Exactly, yeah." I'm nobody- sorry. I know people can't see my face, but I'm just sitting here like, 
fuck you and your apology because like for you to escalate anything to the point where you one touch a woman inappropriately and two think that you have to cover it up by murdering her and then shoving her body in a wall and then going about your day fuck your apology fuck your motherfucking apology so he said quote I stand here today taking full responsibility for my actions. Oh, okay. Except not really because he wouldn't plead guilty to sexually assaulting her. Uh, right. <laughs> um, I am truly, truly sorry for taking Annie's life. So he never explained his actions or gave a reason why he assaulted and murdered her. I mean, we already know why he murdered her. Right. Some, pe- some people actually think it's because he snapped at her about leaving the lab dirty. Because apparently he had written her a note earlier that week saying that she had left it dirty and he was tired of this and he, he wasn't going to stand for this anymore. But I don't. Well, then quit your job. Okay. Quit your job. And I also don't buy that that's. So I understand like people snapping after getting so upset about things so many times. But if somebody's going to snap, yes, they might snap and murder somebody. They're not going to snap and like sexually assault someone. Like, that's not the reaction to that. Uh, so I don't buy that. <laughs> like No, not not if that's your first time doing that to a woman. Right. I couldn't find anywhere where he had any kind of previous. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe if he was, maybe if he was prone to doing something like, like that and have been in, in and out of jail, like I would understand it. But for this to be a first time offense and him to have escalated it with sexual assault and murder. No, I don't believe that. Right. I don't believe it had to do with with the cleaning of the lab I had I personally believe it was he came on to her she was not wanting it so then he forced her into something into that situation sexually assaulted her and then felt he had to cover up the sexual assault because she would tell yeah and that's that's the most clear explanation that I could think of and that's awful it's awful awful so he remains incarcerated at Cheshire Correctional Institution in New Haven County, Connecticut, and his sentence will end in September of 2053 when he's around 70 years old. I hate that he even gets the like option to even leave prison. Right. Something years old. Right. I guess we're supposed to think that, okay, well, he's rehabilitated after sitting in here for the so many years and he's not going to do anything else. Right. And this is part of the reason that I'm going to school for some of this too, is to really understand why people do the things they do like this. I I guess I just, I just can't grasp the concept that somebody will willingly take another person's life and it not like them not think of the consequences prior to, you know, I, I understand people get angry, but like for you to escalate it to the point where you murder somebody and then you think that you're just going to live about your day and not eventually get caught. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't, I'll never get it. Never understand it. Like, was it worth it? Was it worth a, like your whole life in prison behind bars? Was it worth the death sentence? Was it worth, like, you know what I mean? Right. All these different situations. Is it worth it? Was it that, was that person's life worth it to you when you didn't even know them? I mean, I personally believe that her life was worth it, like worth living, but I just don't understand anybody's concept, serial killers, all of it. Why was this particular person's life worth this shitty fucking life for you? Right. 
I'll never get it. And there's no telling, like I said before, there's no telling what she would have done with her like research and her work and stuff. Oh, I know. I'm that's like she was crazy. headed for huge things and working on huge things like treatments and cures for diabetes and cancer. And it's definitely unfortunate. Yeah. So yeah, that is the disappearance and murder of Annie Lay. So yeah, fucking tragic. Yeah. You're well, welcome. Well, I guess that means next time is mine and I'm going to try my best not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it pisses people off. <laughs> I don't think it's pissing people off <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding it's not making them mad but they're like give it a break we need the we need closure we need cases with closure okay yeah. i like me a good unsolved one sprinkled in there every now and then but i need closure even though it doesn't make me feel better like there was closure with this one but i'm still like pissed about it because I know. fuck this guy you feel better yeah um it is what it is so it is what it is right. well follow yeah. us on all the stuff you can you can find <laughs> follow us on all the stuff you can find everything at serialholicsisters.com mm-hmm. you can and uh yeah we'll we'll post pictures on the on the gram i think i think i'm gonna have to take a picture of the shoes and show them to you i think i think you should do that <laughs> i feel yeah. like our listeners need to see i feel like i need to see <laughs> I, I i feel like i want these shoes and i haven't even seen them yet so i have to show you <laughs> all right well i guess i guess let's be awkward Let's do it. Okay. Okay, Bye. Bye.